Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here, and you're listening to episode 112 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to help us have better quality business and personal relationships. So today's episode, episode 112, is entitled Power Dynamics in Relationship. Um, I think with the pressures on modern relationships, with the lack of kind of sustainable role models, you know, we can't look back to the um, uh, the traditional model of, um, you know, husband, wife and two kids um, and the couple that stayed together for their entire life. Um, that is still a relational possibility, but it's certainly... Uh, becoming less and less common. And what we're seeing is the opening up of more and more ways to have relationship. Um, And that the modern romantic relationship has more facets to it. You know, it's it's about being able to kind of um, have wonderful, passionate, stable, workable partnership, but at the same time, how do I still honour my own integrity and growth and how do we grow as an us as well as an I? So not to mention the the pressures of um, the external world um, and the expectations of the external world bearing down on us too. So it's a considerable uh, amount to kind of process and juggle. And again, um, we have plenty of choice as to the designing the kind of relationship that you and I want to have together. Um, and we, in order to do that, we have to take into consideration some of the um, autom- automation or habituation or familiarity that we saw in our family system. And do we still want to bring that into our present relationship paradigm? Um you know, what, what pieces of my family culture and what pieces of your family culture do we integrate into making our culture? Um, and then if we're looking over the fence at other couples, um, you know, what, what things about other couples inspire us that we can use? You know, I, li- I really like the way that this couple, um, I like the way that they work through disputes. You know, um, this other couple over here, I like the way they approach their eroticism and keeping their freshness al- alive. This 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 other couple here, what really grabs us about them is their capacity to uh, communicate honestly and openly with each other um, and so on and so forth. So we can cherry pick if we like. We can kind of almost go around and interview other couples. Um, we can certainly use the massive amount of education that's available in all kinds of mediums, you know, reading books, uh, watching YouTube clips, listening to podcasts, this kind of thing. So there's a lot of resource. And I think um, things are so complex at the moment that we can't really afford not to be spending more time on our relationship, not just in our relationship floating along and then wondering why it doesn't work because, you know, one of the things that's emerging as a trend is it's so much easier just to give up and leave. Um, And what that, 
you know, and in some instances that might be the best thing to do. But in other instances, inc- incidences, yes, that's the word. Um, in other instance, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, then uh, what we're going to find is we just go and recreate that dynamic with somebody else. So um, we, we, I think what we're being called to do is more investigation, more self-awareness and more couple awareness um, going forward. And so that's why that was a fairly long um, meander, wasn't it, around um, sort of setting up the idea of this episode. But this is why I think it's important that we look at the areas that that might be sticking points or friction points and and that leads us to the the center of this episode, which is that um, one of the things we're going to find at, at certain points, even in fairly healthy, and, and again, this episode is aimed at couples that have a fairly healthy, fairly functional, good enough relating. Um, it's a different paradigm completely if we're talking about somebody in an abuse-based dynamic. So I sort of want, want to flag that, you know, because what what we're talking about here applies to fairly healthy couples, not to um, highly dysfunctional couples. That, that That's a completely different approach. Um, but if we're in a fairly functional dynamic with a with a partner we're still going to find that we're going to have friction points we're still going to find that there's there's um uh, little things that you do or little things that i do that um aren't helpful to uh the relational space and one of the areas that we can find that a struggle can emerge is in some of the areas where we can have um power clashes um and uh, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with having a, a bit of a power tussle from time to time in the relationship. Who's going to lead here? Who's going to follow? Um, the you know this is again like I think I mentioned in previous episodes. It, healthy couples are are not friction free. They're not dispute free. They're not frustration free. It's just that we have a good strategy for moving through those points in our relationship paradigms. Um, not that those things don't exist. Um, and again, uh, we can be quite healthy and still have some uh, back and forth tussle in certain areas. Um, and provided that there's a degree of fluidity in that, so let's say, for example, in key decision-making, if if one side of the relational dynamic always gets the final say, then watch out. Watch out on both sides. That is not optimal. If you're the one who always wins the arguments, be very, very careful because if you insist on continually holding the one-up position in the dynamic, then what you may force your partner who's in the one-down dynamic to do is the only thing, you know, if I'm in the one-down position, then there's only a couple of things that I might be able to do, um, and that's to lose my shit and rage at you, um, to shut down and withdraw and punish you that way, or to simply go, well, I'm, you know, what do you need me for? I'm not considered in this dynamic, so see you later, I'm leaving. So be be very careful, you know, um, because if you are the one who holds all the cards, um, you might find that, uh, much to your surprise, um, one day, sorry, no partner anymore. So e- e- anything that's too fixed is potentially a problem. Um, rather than we take turns at deciding, normally the person who gets the the tip over once we've discussed is the person that's potentially considered 
to have more competency in that area. Um, you know, and if we're deadlocked, you know, and again, it's good to have a discussion about how to decide before we get to the point of deciding, um, because uh, we are going to have moments in our relationship if we're serious about staying together long term, where we are going to be at loggerheads. And if we've got a pre-planned strategy and discussion, or at least we've opened the dialogue to how specifically in those moments are we going to proceed? Um, do we go and um, seek out third-party advice? And and when if we're doing that, if we're bringing a third party in, make sure that that third party is um, a duly respected authority in the area you're intending to um, in the area that you're intending to decide about. Because otherwise, you know, I'm well. We just go and ask my dad. Well, that's okay if you know if it's a question about property and finances, and that's how your dad made his living. Um, as a as a as a successful financial advisor, not just even as a financial advisor, you know, then um, sure, cool, then that that's okay. Um, but if we, you know, if we just go to dad and ask dad's opinion on on our relationship, you know, dad, come and tell us what we should do. Um, just because you're dad, not because you're an actual authority, then that's that's again hi highly highly unuseful. Uh, let's just say that <laughs> uh, I was going to go that that's wrong, but ah, you know, um, that's probably a bit strong, but it's not helpful. Put it that way. Certainly not helpful to be uh, going about it in that kind of way. Um, and so if we're stuck, then who of the two of us knows the most about this and is likely to make the most informed decision about this going forward? Um, and if we're in a paradigm where one of us is decidedly more logical and one of us is decidedly more um, um, uh, emotionally attuned, then in emotional-based de decisions, let's go probably what would be more helpful is to go with the one who has attunement there. And, and if we talk about linear and structural and logical decisions, then we, we go with the person who um, has the strength in that kind of element. So we, we can... You know, this is where the beauty of, you know, being with somebody who has different strengths to you. When we're in an area where we need to decide where you're stronger than I am, well, hey, let's let's go let's go with that and get behind it. So, you know, this is what I mean by we, you know, we've got a bit of mobility in who takes the lead decision making wise. Um, we we can, if I'm temporarily taking the lead position in the relationship, um, then I can do that with confidence. Um, knowing that you're not going to undermine undermine me in the following position, but then when it's my turn to follow, I will be equally as supportive of your decisions and your leadership too. Um, going forward, I'm not going to, um, you know, covertly um, sabotage your choices or, um, you know, say that I'm compliant and then behave in another kind of way. So there's the follower leader dynamic um, that that can be an area where we can struggle in. Key decision making is another area that we can struggle in. And of course, um, I think it's Be Betty Carter, who's a um, well-renowned in family systems dynamics. Um, I you know, and and uh, or it might be Monica McGoldrick. Uh, for, forgive me, both of them are exceptional um, in terms of their contribution to the family systems field, and I would certainly encourage you to look at any of their material. Um, but where they look at kind of one of their focuses is, is in balance in power dynamics in family systems, um, and I think one of the sayings is 
you know, whoever holds the gold makes the decisions. So how do we get our financial paradigm as balanced as we possibly can? Um, and customarily, when I'm talking to couples about that, I, I make sure that um, I, I think, and again, um, this is only an idea, not specific advice, but I think it's important that we have our money and then my money um, or your money. So um, we've got a joint bank account and then you've got your bank account, I've got mine. Um, but this tends to put us on a bit more of a, um, uh, a level playing field as far as, you know, feeling like I'm a self-sufficient adult um, as well as being um, contributing in whatever way I do to, to us. Um, so being able to hold on to some of our own money rather than, you know, traditionally, or if you had asked me this question a, a while back, I would have said, no, it's all, it's all ours. You know, you've got to commit to that. But I've, but I've moved my idea of that because again, I, I, I line it up with the idea of healthy differentiation, which in family systems thinking is the ability to be, um, around our family, both at times when it's suitable, a healthy functional individual and at other times, um, I come into closeness and I behave in a way that supports us and and our family group. So I can do healthy togetherness and healthy individuality, and I've I've got a fluidity of movement between the two, um, depending on you know what what's most appropriate in the moment. So that's where I take the kind of framework for money to be the same that we've got an an, an us base of money and a I base of money too um, and then however you work it out from there because every family system is going to be highly complex and individuated but but if that's a platform that helps then there you go because certainly we can get into you know many a power struggle around um, money and choices relating to how specifically we spend our money and what specifically we do with it um, and then the other area, you know, a couple of other areas probably worth mentioning that we can get into struggle around is, is you know, um, as far as our um, sexual intimacy and our emotional intimacy. So the person who, um, you know, wants sexual um, intimacy less is likely to be the one that controls um, the dynamic. And so if that's always fixed where we've got one chaser, pursuer, advancer, um, and and one person who is consistently in the gatekeeping position, this can be problematic long term rather than sometimes I feel like it um, and, and sometimes I don't and we take turns at initiating um, intimacy. Um, and again, that's going to vary couple to couple. And then also the same with emotional uh, nuance and emotional closeness is if one of us is always instigating the discussions about the emotional health of the relationship and the emotional closeness, this can be a problem over time. So we have to be very, very careful here because when we're talking about getting this, we're talking about as a couple, you find your own balance here, not balance in the sense that, you know, if we're talking about a range of, of kind of balance and, and you know, that's going to vary couple to couple, you know, differently. So that let's say, for example, if we put some arbitrary division on it and we talked about, let's say, um, uh, a, a, a couple's relationship with intimate conversation and emotional closeness and emotional sharing. And prior to a discussion about this dynamic, when we looked at it, we would say, okay, one side of the relationship, you know, engaged and, and 
kept on top of um, emotionally um, engaging in present conversations 90% of the time. Um, and the other person did it 10% or next to none, maybe because it's just a habit. We never did that in our family, you know. Um, and we're understanding too that, you know, when we're when we're forming a different relationship with a person, well, we're going to have to, we can't just fall into an automatic assumption on these things. We, we These are things that need to be talked at and worked through and we need to give ourselves time to find a, you know, a workable solution. This might this might take 12 months of discussion or two years to find where our rhythm and place in, in it is. But you might find that through a series of discussions and prompting and, and, a, and a, a gentle patience and commitment to moving the needle on that part of our relational paradigm, that over time what we find is the balance is about 30-70 now rather than 90-10. And that is very satisfying. That is So this is not about getting to 50-50 on these things, especially if that's not something that really doesn't work for your relationship. And only you can decide what makes you feel good in relationship, what makes you feel content, what you're satisfied with. So, you know, um, but if we're using the analogy of in emotional exchange and a, and a seeking to know the other person, originally we had, you know, 90% of those kinds of conversations were driven open and championed by one of us. And now my partner is doing more of that. Um, that already is going to be way more satisfying, I would imagine. So we're not getting stuck in the idea that this has to be a 50-50 paradigm because I think that that in and of itself um, has you know, we're not going to get that. You, you, balance to me is kind of a range. It's a zone. And as long as we're in a good enough zone as a couple in these particular, you know, if we're looking at these particular key areas as some of the areas we might talk about, and there's others, you know, there are other areas that we might, you know, maybe it's just simply um, arguing about how much time we spend together as a couple um, and finding, you know, how, how do we move and compromise in that space. Um but but these are some of the areas that, that we might find if we don't address them, deep uh, resentment builds and frustration builds over time. And if people get too resentful, it kills desire, it kills love, and then, wow, um, so much harder to turn things around once we get to that place. So I'm, I'm very big on the idea that actually, you know, for many couples and when I'm talking to, you know, business partnerships or romantic couples or dynamics where both overlay, um, you know, I can't encourage people to, you know, get in as early as you can around these challenging discussions whilst we're still open, while we don't need them, um, while we're still very, we're a lot more pliable and open to um, our partner's way of doing the world. We haven't fallen back into our old set and forget ways. Um, the earlier we can get into this, these discussions and, and work out some sort of blueprint for us, what works for us moving through this, the greater chance you have because it's tough enough when if we get to the relationship starts to deteriorate or over time we've just drifted apart and, and then it gets to a point where it's suddenly intolerable, um, that's challenging enough to work your way back whilst also then trying to work out a method for doing that. Um, whereas if we've got a method in place and hopefully just by working the method out, you never actually need to use it. That would be my absolute hope for you. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the areas in which we can get into a bit of to and fro about as a couple. Um, who's making all the decisions? Uh, who's making the decisions around money? Who's making the decisions around sexual frequency? 
um, and um, emotional closeness, uh, how much actual time we spend together. Um, and like I said, the, that's just a sample of some of the areas that we might need to be opening up for exploration and, uh, and conversation. So that being said, um, that'll, th there we are for that episode. Um, I, I, I hope it, it, um, provides you with some insight and some resource that you can use to really help, you, you know, your, your relationship going forward. Um, or if you're about to move into relationship or moving out of relationship, it, it gives you something to think about review, um, and hopefully use going forward. So apart from that, um, thank you so much um, if, for, for joining us on this episode. Um, as always, if you've been with us right throughout the, the course of the show or for some time now, um, thank you as always um, for, for, for taking some of your precious time out to listen. Re really, really grateful. Thank you so much. If you're just joining us, hope you found the episode um, uh, of some value. And if you want to continue to support the show, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find this material. And I think the more education we have around um, human dynamics, the better chance of success we have. Um, I'm also, uh, the show's also available on Stitcher, Podbean, um, and a couple of other mediums that have dropped out of my brain at the moment. Um, and, and of course, the website, emergencetraining.com. .au. Um, I do one-to-one uh, -one work um, and also in-house trainings for businesses on people dynamics and also public trainings too. And then there's the YouTube channel as well, the Sean Healy Relationship Resourcing Series, where we look at some of the similar kinds of things, but um, obviously um, through the medium of YouTube. So uh, once again, thank you. I wish you every success with all of your relationships in life, and I hope they bring you great joy, peace and love. Um, and until next time, uh, bye for now.